Well, what's up, Southcrest Church? How we doing? Yeah, man, what an incredible morning of worship. Jeez, uh, it's amazing. Uh, my name is Matt McFadden. I'm one of the pastors here at church. I uh, want to welcome our LaGrange campus. We are live between two cities via simulcast. Uh, Noonan, give it up for LaGrange, man. Man, that's our family down there. We love you guys. Uh, we're also live on the web. Uh, anybody around the world can tune in and worship with us and hear a message and engage. Uh, if you are traveling and you're in a hotel room right now, welcome. And uh, it's just cool. Technology gets to send the word and uh, Jesus all around the entire world. Really cool. Uh, we're right in the middle of our series called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. How many of you all will be brave enough <clears throat> excuse me, to raise your hand to say, yes, Matt, I have been in a place where I did not know what to do. Anybody brave enough to raise your hand? Come come on. I I mean, come on. It's got to be everybody, right? Everybody in life has been, uh, you know, either posed with a question and the only thing that you can offer is the words, I don't know, right? Yeah, I've been there. And it's crazy because I came across this article. Forbes magazine said, never say the words, I don't know. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's like my answer for half the questions ever asked to me in life. I'm in big trouble, right? And so they say that, man, if you use the words, I don't know, you lose credibility. Let's say that you're uh, in a work meeting and the boss, you know, just hammers you with a question and you're like, oh, wow, I do not know that. Don't say, I don't know, because you lose credibility or you lose influence with the people that are around you and the people that are under you. If you say those words, I don't know is not an answer or an option. It's not an answer. It's not an option. They say, prepare some more powerful, appropriate responses. And because I'm a nice guy, I want to help you. I want to share these with you guys today. All right. Forbes magazine says, instead of saying, I don't know, you should say, let me be sure I understand which information you are looking for. You see how that works? That's super slick, right? That is really slick. Number two, based on what we know today, my thoughts are, another really great, or that's a timely question because I'm currently gathering information on X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Hey, uh, go get that information because I don't have it. Or I can answer that in part, but I would really like to consider it further and get back to you. You know, those are pretty slick answers for you to use when you're in a meeting or when you're, you know, faced with a question of, I don't know. And then I had another thought, right? Go with me on this for just a minute. What about those really tricky, loaded questions that your spouse asks you that you just simply do not know how to answer? I am going to begin to apply these to those questions. For instance, questions I've been asked in the past. Does this dress make me look weird? If I turn sideways, does my hip stick out? And I'm like, uh, well, let me be sure I understand the information before I offer an answer, right? Or what do you want for dinner? Have you ever been asked that question? Hey, what do you want for dinner? You answer and then you're immediately told that's not what you want for dinner. You actually want something different for dinner. And so for that response right there, based on what we know today, my thoughts are, Whatever you want for dinner, honey, is what I want for dinner, right? Or what are you thinking right now? Men's been, yeah, I'm sure you've been asked this question. Well, that's quite a timely question because I'm currently gathering that information <laughs> right now. Or boyfriend and girlfriend, let's say you're, you're dating and that all-important question of how do you feel about us? And you're like, well, it's not going very great. So uh, I could answer that in part, but I would like to consider it further and get back to you because I don't see it going past next week or, or whatever it is. You know, so there, there's just some, some you know, helpful hints on how to handle questions in life that you may not know how to answer. Never say, I don't know. Have these re- preloaded and ready to go. So, but in reality, we have, all of us, 
We've all been faced with, with situations. Maybe it's a crisis that you're in, or, or maybe it's a difficult decision you're trying to make, or it's a difficulty that you're walking through with your family. We've all been faced with these situations. And I want to take the next few minutes and walk with you through some ideas that would help you either safeguard you and not allow you to get in those situations or help you through them. Turn with me in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. You see, in life, above all else, here's what you and I have to do. We have to do God's will. You see, you and I, we have plans. We make plans. We, uh, we know where we want to retire. We, want, we know how much money we want, we want to have in the bank account. And we know what career we want to give our life to. And we know what spouse we want to be married to and how many kids. and what the ha- you know, We have all these plans. But in reality, there's one thing that you and I must do through life, and that's to do God's will. And I want to lay this out very simply for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it one more time. Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Today, I'm thankful for Jesus. Right there. I'm thankful for Jesus. You see, in the context of this passage, God's will for our life is not complicated, right? In the context of this passage, it has nothing to do if you're supposed to become a doctor or a lawyer, or if you're supposed to become a real estate agent, or if you're supposed to become an artist. It has nothing to do with what school, college you should go to, what career path, what you should have for lunch today, right? Yes, God is involved in those details, and yes, he cares about the every decision that you make, and he, he's got the hairs on your head numbered, and mine are going away, but that's beside the point. But he's got it numbered, and he does care about you. But I think what Paul's trying to do right here is he's trying to get us to back up a few steps and get to the foundational truth of what you and I are put here to do, and that's to give God praise and to give God thanks, to give God praise, and to give God thanks. You see, there's two things in this verse verse that stand out to me. Number one is that you and I, we're supposed to constantly position ourselves towards our relationship with God. We need to constantly point our hearts and our minds and our emotions and our attitudes towards our relationship with God. I think it's no mistake that Paul uses these words always, continually, In all circumstances. He's saying, do this all the time. All the time. Every day. We have to make praise and thanksgiving an everyday action. It's very important. You know, I'm a a tech nerd. I absolutely love technology and how things work. I love the TV show, how it's made. And anything that has to do with how something's put together, man, I love it. And uh, I was studying GPS's, uh, GPS units the other day, and uh, it's very interesting. Even in consumer-grade GPS units, like what's on your watch or what's on your phone, that GPS unit has to ping its source ten times every second. Every second. That's consumer-grade. If you go up to even more complicated systems that airplanes use, it's even more. But a consumer-grade GPS unit that you punch in on your, on your car... It has to ping its location 10 times a second so that little blue arrow knows right where it's going. That blue arrow has to update itself constantly, say, I'm right here, I'm right here, now I'm turning, now I'm turning, now I'm right here. 
And that's what Paul is telling us to do, that we have to constantly point ourselves to Jesus. And we have to constantly praise him and constantly put him in his rightful place and constantly thank him for what he's done in your life. You see, these things, praise and thanksgiving, have to characterize our life every day. Literally every day. These are ongoing activities that don't need to be held and reserved for crisis or, or holidays or happiness or sad, but just every day. Every single day. The second thing that stands out to me about this verse is the fact that thanksgiving has to be an act of our will that requires faith in time of difficulty. It's not given to you. You have to do this. Like a muscle, you have to exercise and exercise if you want that muscle to grow. Same with thanksgiving. We have to do this all the time, and it has to be an act of our will. We have to thank God for what he has done in our life, and if we're right in the middle of a situation where we don't know what to do, we've got to thank God for what he's going to do in our life and what he's going to do through this difficulty. It's very, very important. You see, praise and thanksgiving draws our attention from our earthly reality and it places it on our heavenly reality. It takes us off of our problems and it places it on the problem solver, and that is Jesus Christ. You know, Paul isn't saying here, hey, give thanks to God for the evil and the heart, you know, the difficulty in your life, but rather that through the evil and through the difficulty, your hope remains. That there is a solution. That there is an answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. You know, one of the reasons why I believe that we see people walking out the doors of the church, or they abandon the faith, or they walk away from their spouse, and they just go through a really hard time, and instead of of handling it, they walk and they run away, you probably could pinpoint it back to a person, potentially, who didn't put God in his proper place, and who didn't thank him for what he's done in his life. That's a scary thought. Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe you're, you're contemplating things, you know? There seems to be a lot of emphasis right now on the idea of suicide. We've got a, a blockbuster TV series on Netflix right now called 13 Reasons Why. And if you study or watch it, you'll see a girl who ends up ending her life, and she chronicles why she did it. And it's just simply heartbreaking because she literally had no answer. She was placed in a position of not knowing what to do when she didn't know what to do, and her answer that she had to go to was to end her life. And that's scary, and and that's why what praise and thanksgiving must be an everyday action, that we place God right where he belongs. You know what's crazy? You and I, we're equipped to handle any situation that we will ever face or ever walk through. Isn't that wild? To think that you have the tools in your hands to handle whatever it is that you're going to face. God's not going to give you anything more than you can bear. You have the tools. You have the know-how. And if you don't know how, you you have your church family and your life group and the people around you to help you through these hardships. So whenever you have faced it, maybe your life is awesome, man. Maybe you're like, man, everything's great, man. It's it's, uh, roses and, you know, whatever, chocolate candies. It's great. But I promise you, you're going to face loss, you'll face a hardship, you'll go through a time when you just simply don't know what to do. And you and I must make praise and thanksgiving an everyday action. And you know, today, I'm, I'm very thankful for this church. I'm thankful for a group of believers and friends uh, that, that I can lean on and that I can go to and that I can come here and worship Jesus. And it's not just simply about a Sunday morning experience, but it's about every day of life. It's important very, very important. I'm thankful for my church, man. 
You see, in times of not knowing what to do, when you don't know what to do, Thanksgiving draws our focus to God no matter what we're feeling or no matter what we are perceiving. Um, turn with me to Psalms 92. Psalms 92. You see, if you don't take home anything today, here's what I want you to take home and here's what I want you to exercise in your life, okay? Praise and thanksgiving has to be an everyday action, right? Simple. Yeah, that's the simple statement. If you don't remember anything, that's what I want you to go home with. Praise and thanksgiving must be an everyday action. I believe David understood that, man. David understood that he had to continue to praise God and to give him thanks no matter what he has gone through. Psalms 92, 1 and 2, it says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. He knew that he had to wake up in the morning and thank God, and before he went to bed, he needed to praise God. He knew that he needed to do it every minute in between. Y'all remember the story that Pastor Sean shared first week of this series? He talked about strengthening yourself in the Lord and how David, man, he was, everybody turned on him. He was anointed to be king, and then he grows up, and everybody just turns on him, even his own men. And it's the promise that God had said, hey, you're going to be king. That was delayed. So what did David do? He did Psalms 92. He's like, man, I'm going to wake up and thank you for your loving kindness. And before I go to sleep, man, I'm going to thank you for your faithfulness. How incredible is that? One more passage, man. I could spend all day in Psalms. Psalms 100. Psalms 100, you could write it down. It'll be up on the screen or you can turn there. Psalms 100 says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There's those two words again. You'll see them connected all the time. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I will enter your courts with praise and your gates with thanksgiving. You know, my dad has taught me that verse all the way back when I was a very, very young kid. And he said, Matt, the very first place that you need to start when you approach God is praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Don't ever approach the Lord and start pounding through just a, you know, I need this and I need a girlfriend and I need all this stuff. You have to start with praise and you have to start with thanksgiving. I think that's why David said it that way, that you enter the gates and you enter the, it's the outer courts, man. That's the first thing that you do, you and I need to do when we approach God. We need to thank him and we need to praise him and we need to make that an everyday action. You know, today, something else that I'm very, very thankful for is, is a godly wife. I'm thankful for a wife that loves me and I probably wouldn't be standing up here on the stage today. If it wasn't for her, we dated all the way through high school, ninth grade to 12th grade. Got married right out of high school at 18. I had no idea what I was doing. We've been married for 16 years, going on 17 in August. And uh, yeah, super cool. And uh, man, she, you know, I had a wild hair in me when I was younger. And uh, she helped, man, she helped me stay focused on, on Jesus. So today I'm thankful for that. So what happens, man? What happens if you don't live a life of thankfulness? What happens if ingratitude sets into our hearts? Well, I want to give you just a couple of ideas, some, some warnings or some mistakes that you and I can make if we fall into the trap of not thanking God and not praising God each and every day. The first one, the first one is this, that we take credit for the good things in life that God did for me. 
we begin to take God's, we begin to take credit for what Jesus has done in and through our lives. You know, there's a story in Luke 2, Jesus is telling a parable. Crazy story, right? He, uh, he's talking about this mega rich guy, right? Probably a, a billionaire to today's standards. And uh, the guy's sitting back, and I'm sure he's, you know, just looking at his palace, and he's looking at his barns. They're, they're busting full of harvest and wealth. And he's asking himself this question, what do I do? I've got more, more wealth and more harvest coming in, and my barns are full. What do I need to do? I know what I need to do. I need to tear down these barns, and I need to build bigger ones. And I'm going to stuff all my wealth in there, and I'm going to keep it all. I'm going to close the doors. I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to drink and eat and be merry and say, wow, man, I'm rich. And Jesus goes on telling the story. He says, tonight your life will be demanded of you. And uh, it's because you didn't allow God in. You didn't allow God. You didn't thank God. And it's crazy to think that this man in the story lost his life because of his pride and because of his heart of ingratitude. He lost his life because he was unwilling to allow the Lord in and say, God, you did this. I'm going to honor you with it. You did this, not me. It's crazy. It's a crazy thought to know that his, his pride and his ingratitude towards God cost him his life. William Cowper, he's a writer from the 1800s, he says it like this. He says, a self-made man always worships his creator. If you think that you are the king of your world and that you're a self-made man, of course, you're going to worship the one that created you, right? Yourself. It's a problem, and it's a warning that I want us all to take out of here today. Is like, man, we don't need to take credit for, the, for what belongs to the Lord and what's been a gift for the Lord, from the Lord. Yeah, Matt, but you don't understand. You see, I built this company with my bare hands. I did this. Well, let me ask you a question. Who, who gave you those hands? You don't understand, Matt. I'm, I'm the greatest artist of, of this century. I'm, I'm the great, I created this magnificent piece of art. Look at it. I did that. Who gave you the mind to think through that? You know what I'm saying? I climbed this corporate ladder with the sweat on my back. I've, I've got all my, my, my money. and I'm, I, I did this. This is what I did. Yeah, well, who, who allowed you to sweat? God did. You see, we have to understand that everything in life is a gift from God. Literally, everything in life that you and I have is from God. It's a gift from Him. And we have to make praise and thanksgiving just an absolute everyday action, and we can never forget to do it. You know, today I'm thankful for a house. I know it's, I know it's simple, but I, I, I'm thankful for a house that I can raise kids in, that I can sit down in the morning over a bowl of cereal, and I can walk through the Bible with them for 15 minutes in the morning in a safe place. Or if we don't get it done in the morning, we do it at night, right before we go to bed. And they can come home. They don't have to worry about where they're going to sleep tonight. They got, a, they got a bed. And they got air conditioning. And they got heat when it's cold. I'm thankful for a house today. You see, praise will guard your heart and thanksgiving will galvanize your heart. Praise will guard your heart and thanksgiving will galvanize it. You see, the process of galvanizing is actually really, really awesome. It's, it's where you take zinc and you coat something that's iron or steel uh, with, with zinc. And zinc is extremely weather-resistant. You could take a nail, you could coat it in, in, in zinc, and you could take it outside and you can nail it on your porch. And from the dew in the morning to a light drizzle to a, a crazy storm, it can weather anything that's ever thrown at it because it's coated, because it's protected. And that's what Thanksgiving does for us. You see, Thanksgiving guards our heart from our own pride. 
Thanksgiving guards our heart from ingratitude. It guards it from unbelief. It's very, very important. I want us all to get that. You see, Thanksgiving agrees with heaven that our lives, that our lives are a gift from God. Thanksgiving understands and puts God in its proper place, and it says, you know what, God? The very fact that I'm breathing today is a gift from you. You know, today I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for my health. You know what's crazy? You got a heart in your chest that is beating 60 minutes, 60 times every minute, and you know you're not doing a darn thing to make that happen. You're not doing anything to make that happen. The breath that you just took, think about that. The breath that you just took, you're making little to no effort to breathe. Your body's just constantly doing it. And the fact that you're sitting up, man, is, is, is in my, my opinion, a very gift. It's a gift from the Lord. You know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good for us to remember how amazing, how powerful, how awesome God is because it helps us put things in right perspective. So I was thinking about this the other day, right? You, you got a single cell organism, right? You got this, I mean, the powerful microscopes have a hard time seeing these single cell organisms. And as science progresses, I mean, things get more intricate and more detailed and more small. And, and it's just mind-blowing, right, how intricate even a single cell organism is. And then you take a step up from there and you go to a piece of dirt or you go to an ant or you go to a small a spider and a, and a snake and, and a cat and a, whatever it is, a horse, and you think from a horse to a single-cell organism, wow, miles apart, right? Miles and miles apart in, in, in complexity and detail. And if you keep on going from there, you get up to larger animals and trees and, and even to one of the most intricately created things, humans, us, right? And you think from a single-cell organism all the way to a human Dude, crazy, crazy far apart, right? And if you keep on going, you could say, man, think about the solar system, Earth, and, and, and stars and everything rotating around it. And think about the sun. If it was any closer to the Earth, it would just burn us up in a second. But no, it rotates in perfect orbit all the time. And if you go a little farther than that and think about angels, and you go to the most intricately created angel, the archangel, and you say, wow, what, what a vast, you know, spans between a single-cell organism to an angel, one of the most beautifully created uh, figures of, of, of all time, right? But in reality, all of that is under one umbrella. It's all under the umbrella of created, formed, fashioned. And in reality, it's about this far apart. And if you could ever pull yourself out of time, which we can't, we can't hardly ever think about that, right? And, and we, there would be this massive chasm, this infinite chasm. And if you can ever get on the other side of an infinite chasm, there would be one. Uncreated. The holy, living God. He doesn't dwell in eternity. Eternity dwells inside of him, according to Isaiah. He's holy and magnificent. And in his great power and his might, he thought, man, I need to create earth and I need to create humans and, and I want a relationship with them. And, and he speaks and it's created. He creates light with a word, just a word. And he takes some dust and he forms man and he walks with him in the cool of the morning and the man screws it up. We mess up, man. We sin. We, we fail. And you know, if I'm God, I'm thinking, well, man, that stinks. Way to go, Adam. Awesome. And I would just snap my fingers and wipe that galaxy off and start fresh because it's super easy. I could literally sit down and speak it and make it, right? But no, he doesn't do that. 
He leaves his throne, his place of, of power and holiness, and he comes to this earth and he dies a brutal death that he didn't have to do because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he wanted to. We were separated from him and we would spend eternity in hell forever. And he said, no way. No way would I say, no, I want to make a way. And so what he did, he came to this earth, he died on the cross. And he died a brutal death. And that separation, that, that sin is no more. And he restored the connection that we lost because of our sin. And today, man, I, I'm, I'm thankful for the cross. Are you thankful for the cross? I'm, I'm thankful for the cross, man. That we get to have a relationship with him. Pretty crazy. Man, amazing. John 10.10. Y'all can turn there with me if you want. Very familiar verse. But what's, what's amazing is that the life that God gave you and I is not a life of survival, right? We're not supposed to go from problem to problem to issue to issue. Actually, what God wants to do is take you from blessing to blessing to joy to joy. That's the life God gave you. It says in John 10, 10 that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. But you and I have to do one thing. We have to understand what this life is for, going back to God's will of praising him and thanking him all the time, or else... We're never going to understand it. We're never going to express its, its blessing. And we'll live in this constant state of not knowing what to do when we don't know what to do. God came to give you life and life more abundantly. So what's the next thing? The next thing, another warning real quick, another warning, is that when we don't live a life of thankfulness and we're struck by ingratitude and we think we're the kings of our world, right? We stop trusting God and we stop asking him for help. We stop trusting God and we stop asking him for help. When we're in times of not knowing what to do, we don't know what to do. We're like, man, I got to figure this out on my own. We can't do that. 2 Timothy 3, turn with me to 2 Timothy 3 or you can just write it down, 1 through 5. This is a very, very, very sobering um, portion of scripture right here. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. Ungrateful is listed in this massive list of sins. Isn't that crazy? Unholy, without love, unforgiving, and it keeps going on and on and on. And the, the point of this is that people in the last days of where we're living right now, we're living in the last days, we begin to trust ourselves and we begin to push God out of the picture. And we say that I'm, I'm in charge I love money. Money can get me so much more than what God can get me. Why would I, why would I worship a God I can't even see? I, I can worship money. And they become unholy and godless and ungrateful. Guys, we have to guard ourselves from ingratitude because it will send us down a path where we stop trusting God and we stop asking Him for help. You see, you and I have to get... Get this in our minds again. And it's the thing that we have to do each and every day. And it's what I'm trying to do. It's what I'm trying to remember of saying, man, God, you're in control. You're in control. You're doing this thing. Not me. I'm just along for the ride. And I'm thankful that I'm even on this ride. God, thank you for this. It's the fundamental idea that, that he is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. You know, today I'm also thankful for my job. I'm thankful for a J-O-B. 
I'm thankful that I, I get to provide for my family. I'm thankful that I get to work in ministry. I'm thankful that, that I, I can have goals and, and I can save and, and I, can do, I can give to God's kingdom, that I could see lives changed. And you know, some of you in this room, I've talked to a lot of you, you're praying for a job. You don't, you don't have a job right now or you're trying to get another job or you're not happy where you're at and you're like, man, I just, I just want something different. And I'm just not seeing it. You don't know, Matt, I've put out tens and tw- tons of applications. And I, and I haven't gotten a job yet, and I'm kind of getting discouraged. But here's what I want, I want you to do. I want you to begin to thank God for the jobs you have had and begin to thank God for the job you will have. And praise Him and thank Him for that job. And say, God, I'm going to thank you for the job. I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in my future. I'm going to thank you that, that you have a job for me. You see... Thanksgiving humbles ourselves. It, it, Thanksgiving carries an attitude of humility and lowering yourself. You want a job? Thank God. Humble yourself. Because you know what the Bible says? You'll be exalted. He's going to exalt you. He resists the proud, but he gives favor to the humble. Humble yourself. Thank him. Thank him that what, he, what you have in your life is from him and him alone. Right? Praise and thanksgiving honors our relationship with God by, by trusting his goodness. By trusting his goodness, even if we don't understand or a, prom, a promise is delayed. You know, you, your job may be delayed or, or whatever it is that you're, you're leaning on a, a promise of God and you're praying for it and praying for it and praying for it. If it hasn't come to fruition in your life, it's not that God is saying no. A delay isn't a denial, guys. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean God isn't going to do it. We've got to trust him and thank him. Trust him and thank him. So what do we need to do? What do we need to do in life from now on? Well, here, here's what I want to encourage you with. We need to build up an inventory. We need to build up an inventory of moments in our life and things and blessings that God has already done for us so that when we're in a time of not knowing what to do, when we don't know what to do, we can access these moments of saying, God, you have been so faithful to me in the past. And even though I'm in a crisis and a difficult situation right now, look at all this stuff that you've done to, for, for me in the past. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Turn with me to Psalms 77. Psalm 77, verse 11. David truly understood this idea of creating a, a, an inventory. Psalm 77, 11. It says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Why do you think he was saying that? Probably because he was going through a time, a hardship. He knew how important it was to praise him and to remember and be thankful for everything that he's done past and what he is going to do in the future. You know, maybe you're looking for a job. Maybe, you know, maybe you're, you, you went through, maybe you're going through a hardship with your spouse right now, your husband, your wife. And you have an inventory moment of your life where you had a hardship in your marriage and you, you can access it and say, God, five years ago, man, we, we walked through a, just a hardship, Lord. We, we, just, we had distrust in our marriage or we were hurt. But yet we locked arms and we walked through it, God, and you saw us through it. And so, God, right now I'm thanking you for that and the, and the hardship that I may be in right now. God, I know you're going to get me through this one because you're a faithful God. Because you're a faithful God. Or maybe your health, maybe you're sick, you know, and you, st- and you store up a moment of, uh, you know, where, where God maybe have walked you through just, I don't know, a moment that, that you're in a hospital bed. 
or sick at home, or, or man, you just were dealing with a is, uh, health issue over and over and over, and God healed you. You and I can access these anytime we get sick again and say, God, you're the God that heals me. You've done it before, and I know you're going to do it again. We have to build up an inventory. You see, the things that we practice as a lifestyle can do one of two things, right? It can set you up for complete failure. If you don't practice thankfulness, and you walk through a hardship in life, it's real difficult to sit yourself down and try to figure out how you're going to respond when you're really upset, right? When you're super hurt, or when you get bad news from a doctor, or you experience a loss of a loved one, the loss of a loved one. It's really hard to sit down and do that, guys. That's why we have to do it each and every day, and we have to build up an inventory. Because if we do, if we build up an inventory of moments in life where we remember God's miracles and His goodness, You see, when we're faced with a difficulty or a crisis or a decision we have to make, it equips us to handle that. It equips us to handle that. Praise and thanksgiving has to be an everyday action. Everyday, guys. That's what God's working in my heart this whole week. He's kind of been convicting me and saying, Matt, you're a thankful guy, but you're you're not doing it like David did. You're not doing it each and every day. You're not building up that resilience that galvanizing process, you're not doing it. You need to do it more. And so that's what I'm committing to do, of being thankful each and every day. You know, everything in life, as, as we close, everything in life can, can be something that you thank God for. You could literally, we're going to leave in just a couple of minutes. As you go home, throw some hamburgers on the grill, sit down and just say, God, man, there are people around this world that aren't eating, and I, I get to eat today. God, thank you for this. This is a blessing from you. You could go to a movie right after you eat lunch and you could sit down for two hours and watch an incredible, mind-blowing movie. And on your way home, you could say, God, thank you for that entertainment. God, thank you for the couple hours of refreshment where I don't have to answer questions I don't know the answer to. I can just sit and listen and watch, right? The car that you're driving in as you're driving down the road. God, thank you for this car. You know, wish it was a Porsche, but, you know, Honda will do. And, uh, you know, it gets me to, to work to where I can provide for my family or it gets me to church so I can worship you. Music, God, thank you for sound. Wow, God, unbelievable, right? Thank you for worship. Anything in your life is a moment for, for praise and thanksgiving. Let's bow our heads and pray real quick.